waiting for the table meister. We're going to find a better way to do this, aren't we? Waiting for all the old guys. Yeah, that's right, the three of us. <laughs> Today I want to talk about the last days. I don't talk about the subject very much. In fact, I feel like I've been a little negligent. You know, preaching on Scripture is, well, there's just a lot there, and it's easy to um, kind of miss some things once in a while. But I want to be faithful to the Word of the Lord, and so... I'm going to be preaching a little bit from Revelation, a little bit from um, 2 Peter today. But I want to talk about basically what's been going on in the last couple of months in my own personal life, for one thing. As most of you know, I do a Wednesday podcast or broadcast um, out of the book of Revelation. I've been at it for 20 weeks now, but it's been a long time, almost half a year. And um, I've been doing that and learning some things as I go. One I've learned, I am a little dismayed at the lack of knowledge in the Lord's Church about the book of Revelation in the last days and what they really are and what they mean and some of the definitions that people have come up with. And I understand that it's a book that's hard to understand. I really do. But I also understand that we need to know it and understand it the best that we can and at least how it applies to our lives. That's the most important thing and that's the most important thing about all of Scripture. Scripture isn't given to us just to, um, so that we can say, hey, we, I know a lot of Scripture. It's given to us so that we can transform our hearts, our minds, our thinking and come, and, uh, come under what God has told us is true and what God is teaching us is right. So when I'm looking at the last days and thinking about them, I, I see a lot of movies, I've read a lot of books and uh, theological books and other, and other words, uh, entertaining books, whatever. Um, they all, almost all of them will have some kind of end time scenario attached to them and there are a lot of them out there. And a lot, some of them are good and some of them are just not. The other problem is, is that every prediction that most of them make or have made, especially in the Hollywood versions, they're just wrong. They're so far off track, it's, it's crazy to me. And so I want to just bring some basic truths and some basic principles to light today and uh, really take a look at what the Bible actually says. So in my personal studies of Re Revelation, I understand one thing. It's more than just the end not just about the end of time and about the end times and so on and so forth. It really is so much more than that. And if we go into it looking for, okay, these signs of the times or these end time uh, understandings so that we can say we need to look out for these things, that's all well and good and in fact necessary. But it's not the whole point of the book of Revelation. There's so much more to it than just that. Uh-oh, my tablet's messing up. Probably I did it. All right, so let me give you a couple of do's and don'ts. Do read it. There. You're free to read it, free to grasp what you can from it, free to understand as much as you possibly can. Do read it. You need to read the book of Revelation. You need to read the book of Daniels. They are prophetic books. They're given for a reason. They're not to be ignored just because they make us a little uncomfortable. Two, Here's a don't. Don't jump to conclusions. Don't jump to this moment of great um, 
revelation of, oh, I get this now. A lot of people have gone there and done that. In fact, I'll tell you a story. Something happened a couple weeks ago. I'd, I'd just finished one of the podcasts, and a few days later, somebody sent me a message that I'd never met. I didn't know the person. And they just told me, oh, have you looked into this and this and this and this and this? And, and this person, this prophet, told me all these things, and I've been following him. And I, I hated to break the guy's heart, but one, yes, I was aware of those things because they were hundreds of years old. Two, this great prophet that had this great revelation about what this means, it wasn't new. So he couldn't have had some great revelation about what all this means because this was a study that had been going on for hundreds of years out of the book of Revelation. So I gently explained to him those two things and I never heard back. So people jump to conclusions and sometimes jump like off the edge. And you need to be careful about that. Be careful that you stay true to God's word. The next thing, it really is all about Jesus Christ. It's called the revelation of Jesus Christ for a reason. There is a revelation of who Jesus is, about Jesus' authority, about Jesus' power, about Jesus coming again, about Jesus being the judge, about Jesus being Jesus. And it's a different view of Christ than you will get from other parts of the Bible. He is not no longer a baby in the in a manger. He's no longer the crucified Christ. He's no longer even just the resurrected Christ. He, it's a whole different picture of who Jesus is. It's the continuation of the story of Jesus Christ. And so you need to be aware of that when you read the book of Revelation. So let's jump into 2 Peter chapter 3, verses 3 through 10. Above all, above all, you must understand that in the last days, scoffers will come, scoffing and following their own evil desires. They will say, where is this coming he promised? Ever since the ancestors died, everything goes on and on as it has, as it has since the beginning of creation. But they deliberately forget that long ago, by God's word, and heavens, the, the heavens came into being and the earth was formed out of water and by water. By these waters also, the world of that time was deluged and destroyed. By the same word, the present heavens and earth are reserved for fire, being kept for the day of judgment and destruction of the ungodly. But do not forget this one thing, dear friends. With the Lord a day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years is like a day. The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness. Instead, he is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief. The heavens will, be, will disappear with a roar. The elements will be destroyed by fire, and the earth and everything done in it will be laid bare. All right. End days, end times. It's a promise. It's a prophetic promise that this is going to happen. Mitch, would you mind getting me a bottle of water, please? Thank you. <clears throat> I'm not 100%, just so you know, but I, I know I can do this. The scoffers and the doubters and the irreligious and the humanistic philosophies of our day are not any different than what has been going on since the beginning of time. Thank you. And that's exactly what Peter was writing about. He's saying to those who who say, Jesus isn't really coming back. We've heard this all of our lives. The, 
the Messiah is not coming back. We've heard this all of our lives. We, our ancestors told us this. The ancestors before them told us this. It's not going to happen. And Peter reminds them of two very important things. One, the God who created the heavens and the earth had destroyed it once before. And two, the God who created the heavens and the earth will destroy it again. One by fire and one by water. He makes this declaration that God is still the God of the heavens and the earth. And it's up to him to do what he's going to do, and it's not up to us. We don't get to decide those things. We don't get to choose those things. This is what the scripture says. But let me talk first about the doubters, the scoffers, the irreligious and the humanistic. One, we need to treat them well. Let me say that again. There are people in this world who have always doubted, always will doubt, who mock Scripture and mock those of us who believe it. It's not our response as the church to stand up on some pious pedestal and declare to them, you're just wrong, you're wrong, you're wrong, you're wrong. It is our privilege to help them understand. It is our calling to bring them to the place where the Lord can meet them. Treat them with patience, but be strong in what you believe and why you believe it. And this brings me to a very important point. Treat the word with respect. It's not yours to own. It's not yours to be the great wise person of Scripture. It really is up to us to treat the word with respect. Be true to God's word and be true to what God has called us to do. And if we lose compassion, if we lose compassion... If we lose sight of the lost, if we lose sight of the tender way Christ dealt with the lost in our understanding of Scripture and how we present it, we, we miss the boat. And I see this a lot in a lot of churches that just fire, 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 brimstone. Repent, 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 repent. And I'm going to talk about repentance in a minute, so don't think I'm against it. Repent, 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 repent. I get it. I understand that. But how we bring people to Christ is not a religious purpose. It's a calling on our lives to introduce people to the Jesus that we know. And when I approach my Christian witness in that light, it changes how I witness. It changes how I approach people. It changes how I deal with them. I no longer look at them as just scoffers and doubters and irreligious and humanistic and so on and so forth, pagans. I look at them with compassion. I look at them with a desire to see them know this Jesus too because he's my all in all. He's my first love. And if he's your first love, you want people to know him. If you've experienced his power, if you've experienced his compassion, if you've experienced his forgiveness, it's so overwhelming sometimes that it should be overwhelming in the way we present him. Does that make sense? And if we just represent Christ as Savior, Redeemer, lover of souls, in a sense that you all have to come to him or you're going to burn in hell, Nobody's going to respond to that in a positive way. But if you present Christ in the way he really is and who he really is and how much he really loves them, if it breaks your heart when you meet the lost, 
then you have the heart of Christ. And in your conversations with them and in your dealings with them, if there's not compassion, not just passion, but compassion alongside of that, we can see lives transformed. Now here's what the irreligious say. Everything goes on as it, as it has since the beginning of creation. It's true. It's true. That's a real truth, by the way. Everything just keeps going on as it always has from the beginning of creation. What we need to do is make sure that we're not only uh, aware of the fact that the world just keeps going on and the lost continue to be lost, the righteous should be continually becoming more righteous, the redeemed should become more and more redeemed. Our minds should be transformed by the renewing of his word. Our hearts should be changed by the presence of his heart in our lives. Then we become humbled by his word. His word becomes more than just a something we need to declare. It becomes something that we need to embrace becomes something that we need to love. It becomes something that we need to hold on to. It becomes something transformative to us. And the Word of God in the right hands of the people who just love His Word, you can read it on their face. You can hear it in the way they talk. You can understand it when they explain something that God's Word is real to them. That's how the Word of God needs to come across to the lost as well. That we present it in such a way, that we present Him in such a way, that the Word of God is this living, life-giving, transformative truth that will lead to repentance or rejection. And by the way, there's no in-between. There's no in-between. You love the Lord of salvation, you love the word of God that he speaks to us, or you reject it. And if you want just the parts that you like and the parts that you don't like to go away, you haven't embraced the word of God, and you haven't embraced the author either. Because the word of God is from the mouth of God, and therefore it is Christ who speaks it, it is Christ who still speaks it to us. It's the Spirit of the Lord that brings that word alive to us and makes us want even more, not less. Makes us embrace him even more. And this is what Peter talks about. Look at what he says. Not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. Now that's the crux of the matter, isn't it? It's not really about getting the truth out there, or letting people know, or, or um, preaching from the mountaintops, or standing on street corners. It's the motivation behind it, wanting everyone to come to repentance. But therein lies the big problem, too. It's not everyone wants to repent. Including a lot of people in the church. We don't want to repent. We want to live the lives that we're comfortable in living without ever being confronted by the truth of God's Word. And in the last days, this becomes normal, routine, and even, can I just say, repugnant to the Lord? It's just repulsive to Him. 
that we can sit comfortably in our churches week after week after week, hearing the word of God and walking out unchanged. That we never come to a place or never really come to a place of true repentance where the word of God confronts us with this truth that is so contrary to how we're living that it causes us to fall on our faces and weep before a holy God who's calling us to be holy and stand by his side. That everyone can come to repentance. You see, Jesus is coming. That's the promise of Peter. That's the promise of Revelation. That's the promise of Daniel. That's the promise of all of the Old Testament. That's the promise of all of the New Testament. Jesus is coming back. He's coming back for his church. And yes, I'm pre-tribulation rapture. Everybody who understands what that means, right? It means I'm planning to be out of here when the tribulation hits. I don't see the church in the book of Revelation after chapter 3, and that tells me enough. So if you have problems with that, that's it for me. That just is the crux of the matter. The church is never present again in the book of Revelation after chapter 3. In other words, during the tribulation and the great tribulation and the thousand-year reigns, the church is not there. The church is the center point, the center point, the focal point of all of the New Testament. It's the center point of life today. It is what keeps this world manageable. And any sense of righteousness and truth comes from the church. And the church still is the church, is the church, is the church. And when the church is gone, literally all hell will break loose on this earth. That's what the book of Revelation tells me. There will be nothing to stop the unrighteous from taking over. Jesus is coming like a thief. He's coming back like that. You need to be looking for him. You need to consider this on a daily basis. Is Jesus coming back today? Because if Jesus is coming back today, if he's coming rapidly and he's coming in, a, in the twinkling of an eye, the Bible tells us, then I want to be ready for that. And I want to live my life on this earth as though this could be the day that Jesus comes back. Let me move on. Let me move on. Here's my prayer for the church, for the world. I pray this all of the time. It's become one of my focal points of prayer. Pray for the spirit of repentance. For a spirit of repentance to come into our lives, for the spirit of repentance to come into our church, to the spirit of repentance to come into our churches, to, for a spirit of repentance to sweep across our country and around the world. That we would all reach the point in our lives where we realize without his grace, without his mercy, we do not deserve to stand. And that is part of the message of the book of Revelation. That those without Christ are without Christ. And they'll be judged accordingly. Based on that one thing is their name written in the Lamb's book of life. And I'm going to talk about that at a later date. But everyone will be judged according to whether they know Jesus Christ as their personal Savior or whether they do not. We need to pray diligently for our world to come to a place of repentance. The spirit of repentance will transform our church, will transform our world, will transform everything. As people come to the place where they see that their sin is their sin is their sin and they need a Savior.
And that applies in my life and it applies in your life. And on a daily basis, I pray, dear Lord, give us a spirit of repentance. I don't want a revival where we all jump higher, where we all sing louder, where we all dance a little more. I want a revival where we come to the altars again and we repent of our sin and we call out for mercy from a merciful God. And we find his grace sufficient for us again where we humble ourselves and say, God, without you I am nothing, and without you I can do nothing. I stand here today by the grace and the mercy of God, period. There is no other additive. That's repentance. When I realize it's all grace, and none of it me. Revelation chapter 19, verse 20. But the beast was captured, and with it a false prophet who had performed the signs on his behalf. With these signs, he had deluded those who had received the mark of the beast and worshipped its image. The two of them were thrown alive into the fiery lake of burning sulfur. Now, I chose this passage because it answers three really big questions in the book of Revelation that a lot of people ask. Number one, who is the beast? The beast is the worldwide dictator, leader of the world. Not just our world, not just the United States, not just Europe, not just Africa, not the leader of the world. The beast is a worldwide dictator. He's in the book of Revelation for a reason. All of the world is warring against Israel. Israel is the only nation, evidently, that does not bow to the beast. Very interesting times that we're living in, by the way. The problem with the beast is this. We live in a world where we, our national sovereignty is very important to us. It is to me. It is to me. I love being an American citizen. I am absolutely thrilled that I'm an American citizen. I feel blessed beyond blessed to have been born in the United States. It truly is an amazing place. If you haven't seen any of the rest of the world, you cannot quite understand what I just said. It is truly an amazing place. With that said, when the beast comes to reign on this earth, there aren't any other nations that don't humble themselves before them. What that means to me is this. It's inevitable. It's inevitable. I hate to break your hearts because you wear the red, white, and blue like I do. I hate to break your hearts, but I don't see the United States in the book of Revelation, and, and I, I'll talk about that at another point as well. <clears throat> but the beast is the beast. It's a worldwide dictator who is running the world and determining what's important. Now, men and leaders of nations have been trying to do this forever, this is where the church comes in again to me. The reason it has not been able to have been done before is because righteous men and women have stood up in the church, outside of the church, and fought to delay it. But it is inevitable. And it is still delayable. Let me say that again. It is still delayable. Righteous men and women of the church and outside of the church as well who just 
love their nation and love their country and love their sovereignty still need to hold on to that. With all that is within us, it's worth fighting for. Generations have gone before us and fought for it and died for it. We should not count ourselves fortunate enough to not have to do that. It's been done before. It'll be done again. But the beast is inevitable. Again, that's why I think the church is out of here. Because right now, the church holds that back. Another reason I believe, the other person I want to talk about is the false prophet here. The false prophet is a worldwide religious leader. False prophet in Revelation is a worldwide religious leader, bringing all faiths together, <coughs> or most of them anyway. And only the true church and only the true followers of Christ will stand against him. And they will be martyred for that. When you read the New Testament in the book of Revelation, you'll discover that although the church is never mentioned, what is mentioned are saints and martyrs. They're one and the same. And the martyrs who die for the gospel of Jesus Christ will someday be in front of him, worshiping him in heaven along with the church, counted amongst the redeemed. But a worldwide religious leader is going to rise up and take control of faith. And what he decides to be the true faith will be the faith that those of this world will follow. But let me leave you with this. Speculate not. You don't know who the beast is. You don't. No one does. We don't know who the, the leader of the church is the leader of the religious movement. We just don't. We don't know who they are. Don't speculate. I've read lots of books in my life that declared Hitler and the Pope and this guy and that guy and Mussolini, and I've read them all, and I've thought, swing and a miss, right? They just didn't. Don't speculate. The only one who knows the answer to a lot of these questions is God himself. And he doesn't tell us for a reason. He doesn't tell us because he doesn't want us worrying about who's there and who's that and who's going over there and what's happening in this part of the world and that part of the world. He wants us to be looking up with our hands up ready to go. He wants us to be proclaiming who Jesus is to those around us, loving them with the gospel of Jesus Christ. He wants us to be the church until the day comes that he calls us out. That's our calling. That's our job. So speculate not. That isn't a great line. Just remember that. Speculate not. Yeah, never mind. The mark of the beast is mentioned in this passage, and it is a mark used to control all commerce and people. When you control all of commerce and people can't buy food and can't buy, pay their utility bills or buy a home or whatever, can't trade at all, imagine not being able to ever go to your bank and withdraw any money. The mark of the beast is that mark. It's symbolized in, the, in Revelation as the number 666, and people have destroyed that thing to me. Just leave it alone. The 666 are the... Six is the number of man. Seven is the number of God. What it literally translates into is people falling really short and deciding that this is the way we should live and you have to obey us 666. And all commerce will be traded by 666. 
You'll have to have a mark. Those things are happening right now. People are getting computer chipped right now. And they have their little account numbers in their wrist and on their forehead or wherever they get it chipped. It's a dangerous thing. Church, you need to be aware. Don't go there. Just don't. It would be better to starve to death on this earth and live forever in Jesus' presence. It just would be. Don't go there. Don't mess with such things. Don't consider such things. You don't need them. Because your Lord is not the Lord of this world. He's not any of the beasts. He is the Lord Jesus Christ, and he's the one that we serve, and him only. There is no other. So, take heart. I know you're looking at me like, man, that was kind of depressing. Take heart. The church is triumphant. In the end, we win. Acts chapter 2, verse 17. In the last days. Notice those words again. In the last days. God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. The one spirit of the living Christ unites us all. We are his and his alone. And if we put a lot of faith in the things of this world, we will suffer along with this world. But if we hold tight to the hand of the one who redeemed us, that will be enough. Somebody who answered, asked me a question on one of my podcasts, I'm going to wrap this up quickly, but they said, what is the one thing in heaven that is man-made? These are the kinds of questions you get, by the way. And I just thought, well, okay, the only thing I can think of are the scars in Jesus' hands and the scars in his feet. Those are the things that are man-made that are in heaven still today. And I think that that is still true. It is that scarred hand of Jesus that still saves us and redeems us, and he still is scarred because his price to redeem you was very high. Hold on to that. Galatians 5.1 says this, it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then, and do not let yourselves be burdened again by the yoke of slavery. We were once burdened with sin and burdened with all kinds of other garbage that the world just keeps following after. That doesn't answer, doesn't help. There is no hope. There is no righteousness, there is no redemption. There is no reward. The gift that Christ gives us, this freedom that we have, is to hold on to him no matter what the cost and know that it is a price worth paying because he is our reward. We are free to serve as slaves of Christ. He set us free for a reason. That's the message of the church. And in the end days, in the last days, and the last days could be tomorrow or it could be a thousand years from now. I don't know those answers. No one does. But one thing I do know is what we're called to do and who we're called to be. We're the church of the living God. And we're free. We're free in Christ. We're free. No matter how what the burdens of this world can put on us, it doesn't matter to us because we're free. Let's live in that freedom.
as Christ's servants. Let's bow our heads in prayer. Father, thank you for your presence today, and thank you again for your word. We pray, Lord, that you will help us be who you've called us to be. Help us do the things you've called us to do. Help us stand firm when all around us is shaken. Help us to stand in the liberty and the freedom that comes in knowing you, the Christ, the Son of the living God, the Redeemer of our souls and the giver of life. Help us shine for you always. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.